Okay. Well, good morning again. Here we are in the house of the Lord. You ready for the word this morning? Just love the word of God. It's amazing how many people come up to me almost on a weekly basis and say, how did you know exactly what I was going through this week? Or were you sitting at our kitchen table? So I have spies everywhere just to let you know. Uh, but but that's the beauty of the word of God, right? Because it is so applicable to our lives in so many different ways. And uh, it's, I just love it. Just love it. Well, anyway, go ahead and uh, turn to John's gospel. Continuing in our series in John, we're at chapter 14. We're about to go into... Um, uh, some very, very wonderful, a whole big red section, uh, the words of Jesus, some of the last words of Jesus to his disciples, and, and we're going to have a good time there. But our next section in John, I think, is a, is a pretty familiar passage of Scripture, especially in some Christian circles. John 14, beginning at verse 12, and Jesus, well, first of all, let's, let's just Give this to the Lord. Father, once again, we come before you, that you, Lord, would speak to our hearts through your word and touch us and teach us and challenge us and change us, Lord, for your glory and for your praise. We thank you, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Truly, truly, Jesus said, I say to you, whoever believes in me, will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, or she, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Wow. So what what do we have here? Is this some sort of blank check from Jesus? Just fill in the blank, sign his name, and it's ours, right? Is ending our prayers with in Jesus' name some sort of magic words that maybe at least gives us a better chance of getting those prayers answered? What does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Those answers and more on today's edition of First Baptist Presents. Cue theme song. No. Um, so I want to share with you a message this morning entitled, In Jesus' Name, Amen. A number of years ago, as I've told you in the past, I had personally grabbed a hold of what is now termed uh, the prosperity gospel or the hyper-faith movement. And as always, things like this start with biblical truth and then go off balance. Uh, And one of the things that happens is that we can, as I did, begin to develop a filter from which to interpret the word of God. Instead of God's word speaking for itself and balancing itself out, which it always does, um, we, we develop a filter and everything we read goes through that filter. It works like this. So you start with a truth, a truth that God supernaturally heals people in response to faith. Isn't that true? We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament, right? So then we make another statement. Well, 
then therefore it's God's will to always heal someone. And another statement that God will always heal you if you just have enough faith. So if you believe that, then you go to the Bible and you use that belief to translate what you read. You look at our text and you say, well, this just means then that if we ask anything, anything, just like Jesus said here, we can have it just as long as we have enough faith and use the magic words, if you will. Okay? And of course, then if it doesn't work, we don't get what we ask for, then it doesn't mean that our theology was wrong, right? Or the premise is wrong. It's just because we didn't have enough faith. And so it's this carrot that's kind of in front of our nose uh, all the time. So that's where good theology starts to go wrong. That's where um, I, I've seen a lot of damage done with this kind of thing that, um, no, this didn't happen. This person got sick or whatever. You just didn't have enough faith. You know, the condemnation that comes on people with that is, is terrible. Terrible, terrible. So what actually is Jesus saying to his disciples and to you and me in this passage? I'm glad you asked. First of all, any way you slice it, this is a phenomenal promise to the body of Christ. I mean, read these words. There is something in here that is true, that is powerful, and that is for you and for me. Phenomenal promise. Because clearly, Jesus did some amazing things, isn't he? You will do the things that I do. Jesus did amazing things, right? And he did them for two reasons. Two reasons. Number one, to express God's love for people. Right? You see that in the miracles that Jesus did, feeding the 5,000, right? The healings that he did. He expressed the love of God for people. His kindness, his compassion, his mercy. Okay? Second reason was to help validate the gospel. To show that what God was proclaiming through him was true. There was that sense of God's affirmation on it when things happened that couldn't happen naturally. God was involved. God was affirming the message of the gospel through Jesus. And so as we look at this promise for ourselves, it is imperative that we understand what it's for and have the same attitude. Instead of this looking at us, looking at this passage, as I did at one time, as what God can do for me, the intent then and now is what God can do through me and you. See where I'm going with this? Jesus didn't do those things to puff himself up. He did those things to serve, to love. He said, I'm among you as one who serves. Okay, so this isn't about what can God do for me? What can I ask God that he can just heap all kinds of, but no, no. It's what can God do through us to number one, express his love for people. And number two, to validate the gospel message that we share. 
You with me? It's the same thing with spiritual gifts. We got into that a little bit on Wednesday morning uh, in our Bible study. Spiritual gifts don't spotlight how spiritual I am. Right? Read the book of 1 Corinthians. That's why Paul gets into what they are, how they use them. And right in the middle of this big study on spiritual gifts is 1 Corinthians 13. We like to read it at weddings. But in context, Paul was right in the midst of this whole uh, discourse on spiritual gifts. And right in the middle of that, he says, the greatest thing is love. If I can do this and have all faith and have this gift and this gift, but I have love, what does he say? I'm nothing. What is the motivation, right? Spiritual gifts aren't for me. They're a gift for you through me. Or a gift for someone else through you. That's what spiritual gifts are. You can't meet that need. You have love. You have compassion. You want to help some person, but you can't do it. God says, here's a gift. He gives the gift to them through you. And that's how spiritual gifts work, right? This, this is the whole point of this. So let's unpack this promise this morning. Verse 12, John 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Stop there. Whoever believes in me. Who's that? Who's that? Have we seen this phrase before? Sure. Whoever believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life, right? John 3, 16. So put that together with other verses that speak of salvation. We find out that those who believe in Jesus are those who understand that he is God in the flesh, that he is the savior of the world, those that have personally received him as their savior and Lord, being born again, right? And having the Holy Spirit residing in them. Those are who he's talking about here. Those people, Jesus said, will also do the works that I do. So what are the works that Jesus did? Watch this now. John chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. What are the works that Jesus did? They are the works that the father led him to do. Very, very important. Not what Jesus decided to do on his own. He said, I don't do this on my own, right? Remember uh, when we talked about the raising of Lazarus, right? They came to him. Jesus, the one whom you love is, is, is definitely ill. He doesn't have long. And what did Jesus do? He hightailed it over there as fast as he could. This was his good friend, right? He loved him. He, he, just, he just left and went. No, he didn't. He stayed two more days, right? Whose idea was that? It wasn't his, Right? He loved Lazarus. He didn't just say, eh, we'll just hang out of here in a couple of days. That does not fit the profile with the one who stood at that tomb and wept, feeling the loss, right? No, that was the Father's will. 
Ooh, ooh. Stay where you are two more days. But, but, you know, I mean, there probably wasn't that, you know, that, that's what I would do. But, 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 you know, um, stay where you are two more days. It had to be hard for Jesus in that sense, right? This was his friend. His, his natural inclination would have been to go heal him. But he stayed. The Father's will. Jesus said, I do nothing on my own. The Father revealed his will, and Jesus performed it. No matter what the miracle was, the Father revealed it, Jesus performed it. Those were the works that Jesus did. There were occasions, if you, if you recall in the Gospels, where Jesus just healed all that came to him. You know, from morning to night, he was laying his hands on sick people, right? Casting out demons, the whole nine yards. And other times, like the, the, the man that was lame for many years, lying uh, by the water there at Solomon's portico, Jesus walked in, healed one man, and left. Right? Why? Because it wasn't his to do. He was so committed to doing the Father's will. Whatever the Father told him, showed him to do, that's what he did, bar none. Right? So, let's look at our text again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works will he do because I'm going to the Father. So what did Jesus do? Healed the sick, raised the dead, calmed the storm, walked on water, fed the 5,000. Whatever it was that the Father wanted him to do, Jesus did. There were no limitations, period. Force of gravity, turning, turning small matter into greater matter, you know, feeding the 5,000. No limitations on him whatsoever. And then he says, in essence here, whoever has received me as Savior and Lord, who has the Holy Spirit living in them, they too will also be able to hear from the Father and likewise be supernaturally empowered to do whatever God wants them to do without limitation. This is still an incredible promise to the body of Christ. Supernatural power available to ordinary people like you and me to do incredible, amazing things according to the Father's will. And greater works, Jesus said, will they do? Greater than raising the, raising the dead? What's he talking about here? Because I go to the Father. What does he mean greater? Well, when Jesus went to the Father, what did he do? He then sent the Holy Spirit upon the church, right? So instead of now one anointed worker in one place, there would be many in many places around the world. Greater works, right? Multiplied, exponential now, because I go to the Father, resulting in even greater impact of revealing God's love, of validating the gospel message, people coming to faith in Christ. So believers have the ability then to hear from the Lord, step out in faith, and accomplish supernatural things to reveal God's love and to validate the gospel. Go down to verse 13 of the text. 
Whatever you ask in my name, Jesus said, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Kind of making a little more sense now, right? Now, much of the time, when you and I pray in Jesus' name, amen, what what do we mean by that? Okay, what we mean is, Lord, I'm not coming to you on my own merits. I'm coming to you because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. I have access to the very throne of God. I come as your child because of what Jesus did for me, not because I'm anything, right? That's what we mean in that. And that's fine. And that's wonderful. It's beautiful. We need to come in that Uh, through the new and living way, as the Bible says. Uh, But what I think he's talking about in this context is something a little bit different. It doesn't mean just adding in Jesus' name to our prayers, like it's some kind of catchphrase that, that motivates God to do what we ask him to do. No, we've already established that the works of Jesus were not what he decided, and then the father backed him up. What he did was to perform the father's will. Look what he says about those same works in John 10, 25. He says, the works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me. In the father's name meant doing the father's will, right? On behalf of the father. So when Jesus says to us, whatever you ask in my name, it must follow the same premise. It's not us asking for what we want and then tacking his name on the end. It's us asking for what Jesus has revealed as his will, getting the assurance of that, standing in faith for that, and then stepping out in faith to perform that. Uh, Share a little testimony with you. Uh, A number of years ago, there was a a gal in our church who had had surgery. She had a a cyst on one of her ovaries and had surgery to, uh, they had to remove the ovary. And uh, a while went by and she had, was experiencing some more pain. She went to the doctor. Doctor says, yep, you've got another cyst on the other ovary. She was recently married. And, of course, if they take this other ovary out, no children, right? And so they had asked for prayer. I was praying, uh, not, not that it was me, okay, but in prayer, as I was, you know, taking this to the Lord, as they had asked, I felt the, the, the still small voice deep in my heart saying, I want you to count this as done. It was, it was a, a unique experience of of hearing his voice like that um, when I did. It was unexpected. He said, I want you to count this as done. So when I continued to pray, I prayed in a different vein. I prayed in a different faith. I thank God that it was a done deal. I thank God that he took care of this. That, That I said, Lord, I am counting this as done. Thank you for what you have done in this situation. And when her husband called me, uh, a week, 10 days later, and said, the cyst is gone, I was not surprised, okay? Again, 
this was something Jesus revealed what his will was in this situation, told me to stand in faith for this thing. And of course, there was other prayers. So again, I'm not pointing pointing to me, um, but I, I think this is kind of how this works. The revealed will stand in faith. And this was miraculous. So that's, that's what he's talking about here. Um, asking in his name. As he did the works in the Father's name, he said, as the Father sent me, so I am sending you. All right. First John chapter 5, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything, notice that word anything again, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, and then another word, whatever, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. Notice the similarity in this passage to our text. Anything, whatever, right? This is John, same writer, in his epistle, I believe, clarifying for us what he wrote in his gospel. That the key to unlocking supernatural power, the key to greater success in prayer is praying in his name, which means praying according to his will, not ours. Right? Again, we pray in the name of Jesus. We pray coming to him through what Jesus did on our behalf. That's one thing. This is uh, this is specific. This is praying according to his revealed will that the works of Jesus, those supernatural works can be done so that the father, not us, is glorified in the son. See, we, we go out and we tell people God loves you. God has done this for you and that for you in Jesus. He wants to forgive your sin. He wants to reconcile you to himself. He wants to walk with you and talk with you and bless you and and, and all these wonderful things, right? And when something then miraculous happens in the name of Jesus, if he so blesses us with a situation like this, then that message is validated. That name of Jesus is glorified. The Father is glorified in the Son because there is power in that name. Amen? So, bringing it home. Bringing it home this morning. This is an exceptional promise for believers, all believers. And don't say, Do not say, well, that can't be me. Because my Bible says God is no respecter of persons. If you believe in him, that's what Jesus said, right? Those that believe in me. If you've received him as Savior and Lord, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you've been born again. You have the capacity to have the will of God, specific will of God revealed to your heart in order that you might 
in his will, in his way, and his time, this stuff can happen. Do the works of Jesus. It's not you and me, you know, claiming this Cadillac. No. Again, what's the hard attitude? Hard attitude is love. Revealing the love of God to people. Validating the message of the gospel. Right? The Father is glorified in the Son. That's why miraculous things so often took place in the ministry of Jesus and the early church because they were committed to the Father's will, right? We pray that prayer, don't we? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Is his will top priority in our lives? Is expressing his love, is helping to validate the gospel, the motivation for what we do in the body of Christ. You know, we see that, uh, don't we? In the book of Acts, we see Peter then, right? Uh, healing the man at the gate, lame for many years. We see Paul raising the dead, right? We see Stephen, right? Who was Stephen? He wasn't an apostle, just a deacon, Right? doing many signs and wonders. Ananias, he, no, no official position in the church. Who's Ananias? Just a regular guy. Gets this vision from God, goes and lays hands on the apostle Paul, who at this point was, was blinded. Paul receives his sight, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Right Through who? Through a regular guy. Right? Exceptional, exceptional promises. Things that we so often would just discount ourselves. Yeah, we see these things in the book of Acts, and that's, that's those people, or that's the Billy Graham, or that's the, this name, or that name. Now, God has power for the body of Christ. But it's not ours to use when we want for what we want, right? Committed to him. Committed to see him glorified. Committed to share his love. Having said all that, can we bring our prayers to God? Absolutely. Right? Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay? He also wants to hear what's on our hearts. Our pleas for ourselves, our pleas for our loved ones, different situations. Even when we don't know what his will is, which happens quite frequently. Right? Can we be honest? We don't know what his will is in this situation. And as we know by experience, those prayers will ultimately be answered, how? According to his will, right? According to his wisdom, according to his purposes, not ours. Yet answered by a God who is not only all wise, but he's good and he's kind and he's compassionate and he's merciful and he's faithful. Amen? 
So yes, bring all of our prayers, all of our concerns, everything to God. But as we do, as you do, keep your ears open. Keep your ears open because God may just reveal something that he wants to do in this situation. And he wants you or me to stand in faith for that thing. Or he wants you or me to proclaim something in his name on his behalf and see something incredible be done in this earth. Beyond what we would have ever thought or imagined. Right? Keeping our ears open, keeping focused. His glory, his will, his purposes. God can use each and every one of us. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, wow, the works of Jesus. No limitations, supernatural power. Lord, we, we, don't, we don't talk about these a lot. Because we don't see it a lot. But Lord, we've, we've seen the, the excesses, the whole Cadillac thing and, and abuses and all this kind of stuff, Lord. And, and uh, God, help us to see the truth here. Help us to see that you are still in the business of being a supernatural God, that you still want to use the body of Christ, us believers, ordinary believers in extraordinary ways. As we pray, Lord, teach us to open our ears, open our hearts to you, that you might communicate to us. And we might even be used by you in ways we've never thought of before, that you might be glorified in the name of Jesus. And we thank you in that name. Amen. Amen.